I'd like for you to open your Bibles to Judges chapter 16 as we continue that passage or that study that we had a couple of weeks ago on, on, uh, with Samson flirting with temptation. You know, there's two scriptures that I'd like to bring back to your mind about the um, situation with uh, Samson in this passage that we're going to be looking at uh, this evening, and that is, first of all, in Proverbs 16, 18. It, is, uh, it says, pride goes before fall and a haughty spirit before stumbling. And he, he certainly found this out. And also, 1 Corinthians 10, 12, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. So let's go to the Lord in prayer as we look at this passage again uh, this evening. Father, I just want to uh, thank you for this opportunity. And Lord, without your grace and its sufficiency, we could not, would not understand, would not see, would not have our eyes open, uh, our ears to hear, and uh, understanding there before us, unless it was for you and you opening our eyes and our hearts, our ears, and giving us the understanding that we have. And that's by your grace, and we thank you for it. We just pray that that grace will open our eyes to uh, the passage tonight, and it will uh, certainly uh, encourage us and challenge us and strengthen us and and also uh, Lord uh, convict us where conviction is needed and and teach us many things that we need to learn from uh, your spirit uh, and your word uh, to uh, to help us in our walk with you so so that we might be successful and so that we might not uh, repeat a lot of what uh, we see happening in, in the uh, word of God. And if anything does happen, that we will quickly be reminded of this and repent of it and uh, get back on track as soon as possible. So, Lord, you help us to see all of this and more uh, as we look at the passage this evening. In Jesus' name, for his sake we ask it. Amen. As we look at this, it says, Now Samson, in verse 1 of chapter 16, went to Gaza and saw a harlot there and went into her. And when it was told to the uh, Gazites, saying, Samson has come here, they, they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the gate of the city. And they kept silent all night, saying, Let us wait until the morning light, then we will kill him. Now Samson lay until midnight, and at midnight he arose and took hold of the doors of the city gate and two posts and pulled them up along with the bars. Then he put them on his shoulders and carried them up to the top of the mountain, which is opposite Hebron. After this, it came about that, the, uh, that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Deliah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Entice him and see where his great strength lies and how we may overpower him, that we may bind him to afflict him. Then we will each give you 1,100 pieces of silver. And let's stop with the reading there because we'll look at the passage as we go along. Father, once again we come to you. Just open our eyes to this passage as you would have us to. Lord, we need your help. So help us to see. In Jesus' name, amen. As we come to this passage and we see what... Uh, Samson has done, there's a few things that we want to look at before we move on to the second part of this, path, this message, and that is, first of all, a couple weeks ago, we looked at 
verses 1 through 3, and we talked about toiling with temptation instead of resisting it. Satan, uh, I mean, Samson was not like uh, Joseph in the sense that he resisted this temptation. He fled, and we see that Samson does just the opposite. He saw a harlot, it says, and he went into her. Uh, You know, we, like Samson, cannot say that temptation is too great. For the Bible tells us in the New Testament, no temptation is overtaking you, but such is common to man. And God is faithful who will uh, not allow you to be tempted above what you're able. But with the temptation will provide a way of escape also that you may be able to endure it. So uh, Samson did not fail, and we need to understand this, because the temptation was too strong. And he did not fail because the temptation was inescapable. He failed because he toiled with and trifled with sin until finally he gave in to it. And so often we think we can play around with it, and, and we have been in that situation all of us probably where we, uh, we've seen someone else or we've seen ourselves in a situation where we've fooled around with it and fooled around with it too much, thinking that we could leave it quickly. And we have had, uh, I'm sure, too many uh, uh, even uh, leaders in, within the, uh, the ministry and within the Southern Baptist realm within the last few years who probably thought the same thing. And it just opened up. And before they knew it, uh, uh, they were yielding to it. It's so easy. And none of us are are above that reproach. And so we we need to be very careful about it. So his confidence was based entirely on the flesh. Um, And he was deliberately ordering his life in conflict with the will of God. So... His belief in his invincibility was characteristic, really, of his self-confidence, not God-confidence. So uh, we see that uh, he uh, wakes up, he tears the, uh, the gates loose, and he carries them off. And what an embarrassment to these uh, in um, that area. And as he does, we see that uh, you know, they, they become more and more afraid of him, so he goes and he finds another woman, Delilah, and he, um, you know, he falls in love with her, which is uh, of the Philistine area, and so in turn, uh, he should not have uh, been fooling around there either and, and fooling around with this woman, but he did, and he fell in love with her. And when you're on that downward spiral, when, you, when you're on that that downward uh, slope, that fast slope, then you uh, a lot of times think that you can stop any time along the way, but you really can't. The faster you go, the the harder it's going to be once you do try to stop, and there's going to be a terrible accident and a terrible result. So uh, Samson had power, but his power was without purity. His strength was without self-control, and his life was without holiness. And then second of all, we see him playing around with sin rather than fleeing it. As I said, like Joseph, Joseph fleed this type of uh, temptation, but he did not. And the source of temptation, uh, we see that Samson 
Uh, here he leaves the, uh, the bed of the prostitute and finds really the bed of Delilah. Uh, you know, with this uh, source of temptation, we see a moral compromise. And this moral compromise, once we do this, it lowers our resistance to temptation and sin. You see, if, if Samson had not had a sinful relationship with Delilah, Delilah, he would never have uh, opened uh, or been open to this temptation. And uh, he flirted around with it. And then, second of all, temptation will arrive in attractive passage, uh, packages so often. And Satan, uh, you know, he's not going to come in, in an ugly way. He doesn't come in an ugly way even with drugs. People don't see the, the drug addicts and, and see what's happened to them and how they're living. Someone that get, starts uh, getting hooked on these drugs sees the high that they're getting hooked on or the alcoholic, or whatever it might be, and, and uh, that's all they see. They see the, the temporary fix that they're having, the joy that, that they supposedly have, and they're not looking at the end results or what might happen. Satan doesn't put, his, uh, as I said the other week, poison in a bottle labeled deadly poison. He puts it in the middle of a nice, juicy sirloin steak. Cooked just right, it looks like, on the outside. Temptation also comes when we choose the wrong thing, wrong place, wrong person, and wrong time so often. I want you to turn over with me to, uh, uh, to uh, Psalms 1. Psalm 1. In, verse, uh, in, in this uh, psalm, it so vividly depicts this very thing. It says, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. In other words, is not in the wrong place and it's not with the wrong person. Nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And his law he meditates day and night. And he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, though. And this is what temptation will do to us. And so uh, get being with the wrong people, wrong place, wrong time, all of this. There's nothing that shapes our character more than the people with whom we choose to spend our time. And you'll notice that with so, so many people, so often. You'll, you'll notice it uh, if you look back at the days when you were in school, what groups there were and, and uh, who did what and the people that ran around with whom, whoever it might be. And there were certain groups that were very rowdy. We had one group in, uh, in our high school named the Green Gang. And everybody in town knew about the Green Gang. And they were... Uh, you know, they were made up of, of people that, that drank, caroused, that had fun, and also loved to fight. And you didn't want to fool with them either. And so in turn, that was the, uh, that was the green gang. And so then you had the, uh, you know, you, you had those that were uh, educational people, you know, that, that stayed in there and, and worked hard and, 
the, the goody-goodies with the, uh, the teachers, and, and they gave them good grades, and of course they earned, most of them earned it anyway, and so uh, they, they were of that group, and then you had uh, uh, the, the misfits, like uh, I was in, and, and others, you know, we just uh, misfitted from one group to the next, and we didn't have any, any specific group, but you had these different groups, and so uh, the scripture says, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. We need to ve- look very carefully at our friendships. Does that mean that we can't, have, we can't be friends at all with lost people? No, there's different kinds of friendships in there. There's acquaintances. There's, there's uh, the, that friendship where you get to know them a little bit more so. You may even have them over at your house sometime. And you may... Uh, uh, cook a dinner for them you may try to witness to them gradually over a a period of time Uh, and then you have those real close friends and so we uh, we just need to look very carefully at our friendships and discover whether they are drawing us away from Jesus or closer to him that's the main thing are these people are we closer to Jesus because of these people are we further away and, and, you know, we can't blame it on them, but we can also see the effect that they're having on us that we choose to do. But then we come to tonight the process of temptation. Here's where we watch Delilah work with all her seductive uh, charm. She asked Samson to tell her the secret of her strength in verse 6. So Delilah said to Samson, please tell me where your great strength is. And how you may be bound to afflict, uh, to afflict you. Or how it may be bound to afflict you. So what is interesting here is the reaction of Samson. He should have immediately sensed it, shouldn't he? I mean, she was playing up to him. Sensed the danger and refused to answer and returned home. But because he had already started to slide on the slippery slope of sin, he instead played the game with her. Now, Joseph, this is a good contrast here, isn't it? You remember Joseph? And you remember Potiphar's wife coming in and trying to seduce him? And he ran, and even though it cost him prison, and he was falsely accused, he got out of there. I want to tell you, you, with certain sins, you run from it. You literally run from it. I know her, Debbie's father and I, we ran from it, and he had a crippled foot, and he couldn't get away from it quick enough, but I did. And I left him with the prostitutes out there in Atlanta. So, now they, she, she was in the hospital, and we were going over to the motel downtown to stay while she was in the hospital, and all of a sudden, this nice, fancy Volvo pulls up in the middle of the street and stops. And we were crossing to go over to the motel right there that he was staying in, and these two prostitutes get out and start coming over there. Well, I start backing up, and he did have a crippled foot. He had fallen off a roof. He did roof house cleaning, all this, getting mildew off in Florida and uh, with this equipment, and he had fallen off and crushed his foot. Well, they came after us. They just wouldn't give up. They just kept on. And what did I do? The only thing I knew to do is run. And I ran. And I ran inside the motel and looked out the window. And they cornered him up against the post. 
But they finally let him go. Samson said to her, if they bind me with seven flesh cords and have not been dried, that had not been dried, then I will become weak and be like any other man. Now, what is he doing here? He's flirting, he's playing the game, he's flirting with temptation. Thinking that he can get off this sled of, of devastation and destruction anytime he pleased. And he's just deceiving himself, but let me share with you people, don't we do the same thing? We play the game a lot of times. It may not be sensual sin, it may not be sexual sin here like that, but it may be something else. A lot of people, Christians, have gotten hooked on gambling, haven't they? Because they thought that they could stop anytime they wanted to. And they've lost everything. Their family, their, their jobs, their, or their businesses, everything. You know, you, you flirt with other things, doing things wrong in, in a business to get ahead. You've, seen, you've read about these, these people who, who've done that and, and started to make it big, and they said, well, you know, just this one time. And then they think that they can get away from it. But the pressure's put on them to do it again and again. And especially if they start getting used to that lifestyle. So Samson thought he had things under control. But the issue was he had no self-control because he was not in fellowship with God. It's as clear as that. Samson needed to realize and understand that his strength was not from his own wit and determination. His strength came from God. Delilah waited until he was asleep and tied him up and then shouted, Samson, the Philistines are coming. And he awoke and immediately jumped up and snapped the cords, it said, and rushed out to discover that there were no Philistines in sight. You know, anyone in communion with God, it seems like would have known at that time that that lady couldn't be trusted. She is plotting with the enemy. But not Samson. He didn't seem to realize it. He was self-dependent. He was self-willed. And he was very prideful. Which all of these put together, or one of them, pushed far enough, blinds a person. And that's what it did with him. It blinded him to the truth. And so in turn, as I said earlier, he had, he had already gotten on that slippery slope. So uh, it was hard to get off. And once we get on it, it is hard to get off. And so in verses 8 and 9, we're told something else about this scheme. Then the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh cords that had not been dried, and she bound him with them. Now she had men lying in wait in an inner room. You see, Satan uses whoever and whatever he needs to to get his scheme accomplished. He had the Philistine lords involved with Delilah. They were the leaders of the opposition. Many times those in leadership will try and persuade us to change our way of thinking. They will bribe us even like they did Delilah. And if they can't uh, defeat us that way, then they will scheme to bring us down by using someone close to us like they 
couldn't get to uh, Samson, so they used Delilah closest to us who have already, you know, who's already given in to them like she had. How many of us, <clears throat> for instance, love what Hallmark movies? I mean, you, you like it. I mean, they're the same plot. You know that. But it's a good plot. It's a, it's a fluffy type uh, plot that makes you feel good. You know, it, it's feel good. You know what some mothers have worn, though, that watch that? Concerned mothers. They have warned its viewers that what is accepted by the world, like homosexuality, and other things will soon be pushed on the viewers of Hallmark to accept it as a way of life. Now take for instance, a traditionally clean, morally clean organization will one day be pushed, they hope, to allow the gay right activists to put pressure because they put pressure on them to, uh, to begin to get on that slippery slope of allowing everything. The right of acceptance and the right of compromise. Uh, we've already begun to see, someone pointed out commercials that promote that lifestyle that's being aired on family stations. We say, well, that's just a commercial. That's right, but it's a sponsor too, isn't it? And that sponsor gradually gains power and strength. And if they begin to depend upon these sponsors, then when they threaten to pull the plug, what happens? If they're not strong enough financially and morally, what will happen? They'll give in to it, won't they? Matter of fact, not only do they do that, <clears throat> if they don't allow the LGBTs uh, to be viewed as family tradition, as morally right, as an accepted lifestyle, they'll go after people within. There was, all, there was already one movie star who, thank goodness, they said, okay, she tried to push them to get this done, and they let her go. But I did hear the testimony of one that was on there, and I really hated to hear this. She was a singer. She said, I'm a Christian. She was on Fox News, I believe. Got a great voice, operatic voice. And she said um, that she was a Christian, but it may seem contradictory. And she smiled and laughed. She said, because uh, I feel led to be an activist for the LGBT movement. Now, what happens here? Well, you like her. She's sweet. She's a Christian. So what's wrong with it? You see how Satan works? That's what Satan does. And this is what he's doing with Samson. He gets those to accept that, to compromise with it, who are closest to him. Delilah tried again. We many times think that just because we've won one battle, then the war is over. 
How many times have we let down our guard because we've won one battle? And we thought that, hey, that's enough. And then all of a sudden we got hit again and we failed that time. That time. This time Delilah's response to Samson was, Then Delilah said to Samson, Behold, you have deceived me and told me lies. Now please, please will you tell me how you may be bound? Pretty please? She doesn't come down on Samson. She doesn't get in an argument with him. She says, you have deceived me, Samson. You haven't been honest with me. I thought you loved me. I thought I could trust you. Now, please tell me how you may be bound. Well, <clears throat> I can just see the fake tears, can't you? And, and the bitter honey that's coming out there. All over. The, the, the words and the, the enticement that's there. You see, Satan is a schemer. He keeps hitting away at our guard system until he can find a kink in the armor. That's what he wants. Then he finds the tools best to rip that armor open. And he'll do it. Samson is getting further and further away from God and his fellowship. And he should have recognized this. Should have recognized what was going on. Temptation and uh, sin has a tendency, though, to blind an individual to truth, doesn't it? We've already talked about that. Samson thought it was just a game. He thought he could handle it. He thought, you know, he had everything under control. And he said to her, well, if they bind me tightly with new ropes, which have not been used, then I will become weak and be like any other man. So Delilah took new ropes, bound him with them, and said to him, The Philistines are coming upon you, Samson. For the men were lying in wait in the inner room. But he snapped the cords from his arms, the ropes, and snapped them as though they were threads. This time, Delilah used fresh ropes, which had been had not been used before. And Delilah, though she, she saw what had happened, she didn't give up. That money looked awful good to her. She wasn't going to accept defeat. She was determined. Then Delilah said to Samson, Up to now you've deceived me and told me lies. Tell me how you may be bound. And he said to her, If you weave seven locks of my hair with the web and fasten it to a pen... Then I will become weak and be like any other man. So while he slept, Delilah took the seven locks of his hair and wove them into the web. And she fastened it to the pen and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he awoke from his sleep and pulled out the pen of the loom from the web. Now these seven locks of hair, which had never been cut and must have been very long, and wove them into some cloth she already had on the loom. This is what happened, and she, then she fastened the weaving with a pin, and the posts of that loom were planted right in the ground, and what did he do? He pulled it all up. Uh, you know, uh, he jumped up from his sleep, and he rushed out looking for the Philistines, and, uh, or Philistines, and pulling the pin and the weaving out of the loom. All, all of this was hanging from his hair. Boy, what a funny sight. Here was a man who probably started some 
ridiculous new hair fad, you know? Just a joke. Maybe a fad much like what is followed today in some ways. Who knows? Weaving, hanging from the head. Must have been quite some job to untangle, right? So while he slept, Delilah took the seven locks of his hair and wove them into the web. She fastened it with the pen, said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he awoke from his sleep and pulled all that out. Let's just look at some principles of temptation real quick. First of all, as I mentioned earlier, toiling with temptation will entrap us. The kind of temptation that we see here is not to be played around with. As I mentioned earlier, Samson fleed from it. The Bible says flee sexual immorality in 1 Corinthians 6 eight. Also, this sounds reasonable. It sounds easy. But fleeing is not always easy, is it? Especially when you have real affection for someone like Samson had for Delilah. There may be things in your life that you need to deal with, things in our life that we need to deal with drastically in a drastic way. But giving them wholeheartedly to the Lord is not always the easy thing to do. We hold on to these things. Maybe major areas of our life that need to be changed if we're going to be serious about serving God and serving Him faithfully. It may involve our lifestyle or our leisure activities or even our job. You see, God doesn't request certain areas of our life to be His. He requests all of them. We're just to be good stewards of what He's given us. Fleeing can be hard, but fleeing is essential for Christian life. God calls us to flee temptation so as not to compromise our life and our witness. Second of all, toiling with temptation will ensnare us, but self-confidence will bind us, or blind us, excuse me, to reality. I, I, I hear people say, don't worry about me, that will never happen to me. I won't allow it. Matter of fact, I, what was really scary and one time, and, and I thought it odd coming from this man. He was a spiritual giant, and thank God he remained a spiritual giant. He said, if you ever hear me hear a story about me in this area, then you can be assured that it's a lie because it won't happen to me. And I said, whoa. Now, he's, he's dead now. And it didn't happen to him, thank God, that we know about. I hope it didn't. Mighty man of God looked up to him. But we need to be very careful. Too many believers are in a world that's far away, really, from their Savior. Not in fellowship with him. And they think that they can handle temptation. We cannot trifle with sin in our life, if we get to the point of flirting with Delilah, like Samson did, believing that we can keep it in bounds, then we are destined to fall. It's like playing with a lion. You may stick your head in its mouth, 
so many times, but you better watch out. One of these times it may snap and get it. And then the third thing, playing with the Delilah of sin rather should be avoided. But uh, we see Samson played with the Delilah of sin rather than avoiding it. Why? Because it's easier. It's easier to give in. Then she said to him, How can you say, I love you, when your heart is not with me? Whoa, boy. Really hitting him up. Do you really love me? Why are you saying no? You have deceived me these three times and have not told me where your great strength is. It came about when she pressed him daily, pressed him daily with her words and urged him that his soul was, what, annoyed to death. So much so that his soul was annoyed to death. In other words, he had had enough of it. So he told her all that was in his heart and said to her, A razor has never come on my head, for I have been a Nazarite to, uh, to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaved, then my strength will leave me, and I will become weak and like any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her all that was in his heart, she knew it was coming from his heart this time. She sent and called the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up once more. For he has told me all that is in his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in her hands. She made him sleep on her knees and called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his hair. Then she began to afflict him and his strength left him. She said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he arose from the sleep and said, I will go out as at other times, and shake myself free. But he did not know, and this is the saddest thing, probably one of the saddest statements in the Bible, but he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Then the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes, and they brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze chains, and he was uh, a grinder in the prison. However, the hair of his head began to grow again after it was shaved off. Persistent pays off. Pays off in the right way, and it pays off in the wrong way, doesn't it? For the wrong reasons. Delilah persisted until Samson gave in. Her stubbornness is a good reminder that we need to remember Satan does not give up. He may leave for a season, but he will be back. She pulled out all the stops. She knew the power of a woman's tears, her emotions. You can almost taste the salt in the statement there. Then she said to him, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? She persisted daily. Uh, and then he said, enough is enough. But the sad thing is, enough is enough. You either go to the Lord and confess your sins and ask God for help or you give in to the temptation. And he gave in to the temptation. Temptation and sin can become so overwhelming that we think if we give in to it, 
it really won't bite us. But it will do more than bite us. It will devour us. What a fool sin makes of us. So he told her all that was in his heart and said to her, A razor has never come on my head. For I am a Nazarite to God from my father, from my mother's womb. Excuse me. If I am shaved, then my strength will leave me and I will become weak and be like any other man. He had not made a very strong commitment or a deep faith with his vows. But he did trust God with the part about his hair. And with his hair being shaven, Samson's feeble dedication crumbled. And crumbled completely. When we give in to temptation and start down the slope to devastation, we allow ourselves to believe all kinds of lies. And we do all kinds of irrational things. So, here we see Samson in a situation that is very sad because of him yielding to temptation, allowing himself to grow away from the Lord and not close to the Lord. He had lost touch with the Lord and didn't even know it. It says that he didn't even know that the Lord had departed from him. But you know, I want to ask this question. How many people do you think that are in church that comes to church that are that way? What percentage would you say? They may rely, I mean they may to come they may come to church on a regular basis. They may even have devotional. They may even read the Bible. But they just go through the motions and they don't walk with God. We think coming to church does it for us sometimes. We all get that. I mean, whether we want to admit it or not, we, we think that. Now, there's nothing. I mean, church should be a part of it, but it should be a part of our relationship with the Lord because of our relationship with the Lord. Going to Sunday school, the same thing. What we don't realize sometimes is we need to stay in touch with God and we've lost that touch. A consistent walk of faith with God, a continual relationship with Him. Not externals alone, but an internal relationship that moves to, an, to external experiences. You see a lot, what scares me today is we want to do a lot of good things, and I, I'm all for doing a lot of good things. But we think doing those good things are a reflection of our relationship with God. We rely on those things to satisfy us. I feel good about doing those things. And while at the same time, it's not coming out of that relationship with God. It should be stemming from that. We should be walking with God and wanting to, to meet, help meet the needs of these people. Reach them for the Lord. Not just help them in some physical way. I wonder how many times when we help people physically. I know that John has given out tracts. But I wonder how many just help people and they never share with them about the ultimate help that comes through Jesus Christ. 
You see, we have a culture today that likes to feel good from doing things. Well, that's good, but that, may, that better stem from feeling good from walking with God. Having that relationship with God. Not externals alone, but an internal relationship that moves us to external experiences. But please don't think that, don't leave me here and, and think that uh, there's no hope here. If you'll look in verse 22, however, the hair of his head began to grow again after it was shaved. Now, this is where I believe that probably if you see a time where Samson may have repented, it was here. You see, I believe Samson genuinely repented of his sin. I believe that God was present. He was working to restore Samson. I believe Samson, you know, uh, realized what he had done. We can be thankful that God doesn't give up on us. You may know what it is to fail. And maybe you have fallen to temptation. I know I have at times. Maybe you've fallen, though, to the point where you're ashamed if someone finds out about the details. Well, you just remember, hair can grow back. It did with Samson. God can use us again. Even in our failure, he will not abandon us. So when we fail, and unfortunately we will, what we need to do is we need to be on the fast track back to the Lord, ask for his forgiveness, claim his forgiveness with genuine, genuine repentance, and rest assured, trust in him that he will work his healing grace in our lives because he promises he will. That's an awesome God. Samson served that God. Failed, but served him unto his death. Came back, didn't he? And we can too. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, I just want